Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. If you are in a covenantal relationship with God, and let me be more specific, a new covenantal relationship with God through faith in Messiah by means of accepting that gospel, then you can have assurance. That is, you can be confident that God is going to incline himself to your prayers. And that's exactly what the psalm that we're going to look at today teaches us. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 116. The book of Psalms and Psalm 116. Now, one of the things that that irritates me is when something appears in the biblical language in a clear manner and then translators render it differently. There is no reason for that. And furthermore, it shows, in my opinion, a lack of respect for the authority of Scripture. And what I'm talking about, look if you would to verse 1 of Psalm 116. The first word is ahafti, which means I have loved. It's speaking about an experience. That this psalmist is speaking to us with experience. He has loved something because there is a consistency in what he has experienced from God. And what is that? Well, again... If you are in a new covenant relationship with God through His only begotten Son, Yeshua, then you can have assurance. That is to say, you can be confident that when you pray, God will hear. And that word for hear in verse 1 includes a response. That God is going to respond to the prayers of His people. So it says, I have loved, and the implication is, I have loved the Lord, and there's a reason. It says here, because the Lord will hear. And again, that word hear has to do with a response. You hear, and hearing causes you to act, to do something. And God is going to always do the right thing. So look again at verse 1. I have loved because the Lord will hear. And what will God hear? My voice. And the next word is supplications. God will hear our requests. And God has that inclination to respond in a good way. What's a good way? According to his will. Realize a very important truth. It is the will of God which is the best for you. Therefore, wisdom would demand that we would always pray for God's will to be experienced by us. What does that mean? 
we pray, God, help me to enter into your will, to be in that right location and also to be doing the right things. What are the right things? The purposes of God. And this verse says that God will hear our prayer. He will respond to our prayers and he is going to move in our life. And this last word in verse one in the Hebrew text relates to a supplication or request. God is going to hear those requests and he is going to respond according to what is best. Now, sometimes we request something and God gives us something different. Why? Because what he gives is always the very best. It is what's proper. So God hears everything that we say, but he responds according to the goodness of his will. Look now to verse 2. We see this, this tendency of God that God will incline himself to the prayers of his covenantal people. Verse 2, for his ear, and then we have this word, hita, which means to incline, to, to bring near, to put forth. So God is going to put forth his ear, bring his ear near to the request of his covenant people. For his ear will, will be inclined to me in the days that I call. And here again, I call is literally ekra, which is in the future. I will call. And oftentimes the future can be used to show a consistency. I will do this, meaning you can trust, you can rely. This is my nature. So he's saying here, I will call and I have confidence that God will turn. He will incline himself to this, this prayer of mine. And then he says, verse 3, God will do that in the most difficult times of a person's life. He speaks here about chevle mavet. And this is the pain, the sorrow, the difficulty of death. And it's speaking here about death, meaning the enemy's attacks. And it says here, when the enemy attacks, that is, when the pains of death surround me, and that speaks of simply the enemy moving against us. And then it speaks about the sufferings of Sheol has found me. So when I'm experiencing this opposition, this attack, the place of death trying to move against me, what does he say? He says, when I have this trouble and I have this distress that has found me, what does he do? Look now to the next verse, verse 4. In the name of the Lord, I will call. And again, the future is to show a consistent pattern what he consistently does when trouble finds him out he turns to god so let me ask you a very simple question doesn't matter who you are we all encounter trouble problems hardships and when you do are you quick is there a consistency in your life to turn to god in prayer that's what he says i will pray you can be assured when these experiences happen to him that he will pray and what does he say 
Anna, which is a term of request. It is a polite term. It can be translated, please, please, O Lord. Then it says, my soul. And it's a word of deliver. It's a word of causing to escape. So being taken out of the grasp of the enemy. So what he's praying here is this. God, move in my life so that the enemy does not have victory over me. We want victory, but we want to do what God has commanded us to do. The enemy moves against us when we're not faithful. No, the enemy moves against us when we are faithful, when we are committed to the purposes of God. So when we're committed to his purpose, his word, his instruction, we can be assured that God will hear, God will respond, and God will deliver us out of the authority of the enemy. Why will he do that? Well, look now to verse, verse 5. It says here, Hanun, this is a word for graciousness. It's also a word of favor. So God puts forth his grace. He favors us through his grace in order that grace would work in our life to bring us into the will of God. He says, gracious is the Lord and, notice the next term, righteous. Now, this teaches us a principle, and that is that the grace of God works in a person's life to bring him into righteousness. And we need to see this in two ways. Through God's grace, once a person receives that gospel, that person is declared righteous. Why? We've learned this many times. When you believe the righteousness of the Son, and he was perfectly righteous, his righteousness is imputed to you, mean placed in your account. So when God looks at you, God looks at you and sees the righteousness of his Son. That should give us confidence assurance this is the basis that we can know that we will be welcomed into the kingdom of god because he sees the righteousness of his son upon us so there's no reason to doubt no reason to be unsure that he won't receive us fully into his kingdom but there's another aspect of righteousness not just the declarative righteousness but there's also righteous behavior and that same grace of God that causes us to be declared righteous, that same grace will work in our life in order to produce righteous behavior. So let me ask you another question. Are you praying consistently? God, I want to behave righteously. And as I've said recently many times, it's righteousness that manifests God's glory. And that's what we're called to do. So he is gracious. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God, God gives mercy. And this is how verse 5 ends. Our God, he is merciful. Verse, verse 6. The Lord keeps, and notice this, it's in the present tense. Some scholars will say the participle, present participle, makes no difference. It is in the present tense, which is always emphatic. And who are we talking about here? Well, the Lord keeps 
But who does he keep? Uses a word, betaim. This would be the simpleton. The one who is very, very basic in his understanding. He is a simple individual in his knowledge of the things of God. But nevertheless, and here's what the scripture is teaching us. Because this one has a covenant with God. Even this simpleton, God is going to keep. God is going to look after. Now, this word shomer is used to show value and importance, meaning this. Anytime one finds the word shomer in a biblical passage, it relates something that is of great value, something of great significance and importance to that one. So this one who is a simpleton, he's not wise, he's not bold in his faith, but he has a covenantal relationship. And in spite of his frailties and inadequacies, God keeps this one because it's God's nature to do that. And then he speaks about those who believe many Bibles will see, say made low. It's a word that speaks of something that is very uh, meager, something that is not very prevalent. And it says here, even this one who is meager, and some scholars would say very small in faith. They have faith. They have a covenant, but it is not working mightily in his life. Nevertheless, God will save this one. It says, to me, meaning of this one, God will save. So this simply announces the great benefit of one being in a covenantal relationship with God. Look now to verse, verse 7. Return my soul to your rest. Now, rest is a wonderful word in the Bible. We could say it's a kingdom word. It speaks about kingdom benefits. And what the author is saying here is this, that God will work in our life to give us a kingdom experience even in this world. For the Lord, the Lord, and this is a word for bestowing. It's a word of recompense, meaning this. It's a responsive word. We do something and God responds bountifully in return. And what this is saying, look carefully at verse 7. For the Lord, he has rewarded. And how has he rewarded? He has rewarded unto me. That is that he is going to be gracious unto you. That's literally what the scripture is saying. Unto you will be his bountiful. And it's interesting in the, the scripture that I'm looking at, and I've shared with you frequently, this has the Hebrew text, but underneath it has uh, helps to understand it. And when it says here that God is going to respond in a bountiful way, it says literally, unto you is his grace. And grace produces a great outcome. Grace produces a kingdom outcome. And the kingdom is related to the will of God. Ultimately, we will not experience the fullness of the will of God until we are in his kingdom. Now, what else does God do? Look at verse 8. 
for he and this is a word of delivering it has the idea of someone who in modern hebrew if someone is hurt you call for an ambulance and usually here in israel the 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 paramedics arrive first they usually come on a a small motorcycle and they are are always dispersed throughout a city and therefore they get the call and they usually beat the ambulance to that place to begin providing assistance help and this word has to do with saving in the sense of saving delivering rescuing for it says here my soul he has rescued literally you have rescued from death now death is related to sin the only reason that death is in this world is because of sin and therefore when we read it for you have rescued my soul from death and it says my eyes from tears and my feet from stumbling so how does god work in our life well he keeps us from stumbling he keeps us from being sad he changes our disposition and god will deliver us from the consequences of sin now we need to be careful and understand this in two ways first is this god he will indeed deliver us from the eternal consequences of sin we are forgiven god also depending upon what is right what is best at times we will in this life in this world experience consequences of sin we can be forgiven it's not going to stop us from being welcomed into the kingdom of god but we do something we violate something and there can be consequences in this world consequences in regard to relationships and 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 interactions with other people but ultimately those things are going to be healed by god this is what he's promising verse 9 the same psalmist because of what god is doing and enabling and this is how we should see this it is this response from god that enables this one look at verse 9 he says i will walk before the lord now walking before the lord when we look at it what it speaks about is how this one is going to be in the presence of god that's what he desires so walking before the lord is walking in his presence and there is a relationship between the presence of god and the will of god where do we find the presence of god in the will of god and then he says look at how this 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 verse ends be artsot it's in the plural in the lands and here the term land is in the plural to show abundance the land of the living what it speaks about is this that we can find life in a great variety of experiences life is not dependent upon our circumstances just like we can be in this country or that country and what's going to happen what is being shared with us is god is able he's able to do all things he's all powerful he's sovereign but god despite where we may be god is able to do these very things for us it's not dependent upon what country we're in 
what circumstance we're experiencing. If we have that covenantal relationship, and if we're committed to the will of God, we can be assured that God is going to move in this way, that precise way, in a variety of different circumstances. Verse 10. I have believed that I will speak, and I will be answered greatly. Now, what he's saying here is this. Because of faith, I will speak. What does that mean? Faith leads me to pray. And I will answer, and this is a response from the person. I am going to, to speak to God, pray. Faith leads me to do that. And what I hear, I am going to respond to. I am going to answer that call. What God instructs me, I am going to do. And the last word, me'od, is in an exceedingly manner. Meaning this, this one is always committed to what he hears from God. So God's going to answer. He's going to answer our prayer. And then we are going to respond to that answer in an abundant way. That's what he's saying. Verse 11. I have said in haste. Now here, haste relates to a sense of urgency, meaning this. What I hear from God, it's going to have great value to me. And therefore, because it's valuable, it's a, a term, an instruction of help. He is going to reveal how we can find his assistance. And therefore, we should respond quickly. quickly. So he says, I have said in haste that all men are a liar. Now, what he's saying is this. I am not going to respond to the words of others. I am going to look and I want to have discernment to recognize God's response. Because all men, everyone, is a liar, meaning this. We all know the verse. When we do what is right in our eyes, it's evil before God in God's eyes. So we are ultimately solely dependent upon God's revelation. Now, when you learn that, it is going to greatly impact your life. Realize that simple truth. If I don't hear from God, if God does not respond to me. Now, one of the best ways to find God's counsel, his response, is in his word. That we study his word, we pray, and I can tell you from experience, and I can tell you from hearing the testimony of others, people find themselves in a difficult set of circumstances. They pray, but they just don't pray. They also pray with consulting scripture. And they find God's response, his answer to their prayer in his word, meaning this. They read something that, that leads them to come to a conclusion of what is God's will, what is his purpose for me, how does God want me to respond. So realize, yes, people can give us wise counsel, but, but be very cautious. The only wise counsel originates from God. So can God use friends and such to be his mouthpiece? Yes, he can. But if that counsel comes from that person in and of themselves, you don't want to hear it. You want simply the word of God. And the best way to discern God's counsel to you is through scripture. 
Look now to verse 12. Now, because God is faithful, because God responds, we need to, to understand that because of his faithfulness, his faithfulness should produce a faithful behavior in us. And that's exactly what the psalmist begins to speak about and emphasize in this latter part of the psalm where he says, what shall I restore or return or respond to the Lord? So God is faithful. He moves in our life. He delivers us. He keeps us standing. He gives us counsel. He moves in our circumstances. And it says, how will I respond to the Lord? And all of his, and look at this, all of his, and the implication is, the things that he has given me. Now, it's a word here that speaks about God's gracious benefits that he provides. And we're talking about we have a need, we pray to him, and God responds. He gives, he moves in something. And his response becomes what we receive. And what the psalmist is saying is, how should I respond to the Lord for all these things that he has given unto me? All these uh, recompense, this response, these rewards. And when we say rewards, we're talking about simply we have a problem. We turn to God. God responds. God gives. He provides. And he rewards us. Now, when we say of reward, we need to sometimes just think of that as a response. It is the outcome of prayer. Verse 13, he says, a cup of salvations. And here again, I understand that it's difficult in some languages to put this in the plural. But it's kos, yeshuot, which is the cup of salvations. And this point here is that salvation is an abundant. It is a rich, it is a, a salvation that dominates all things. So the abundant cup of salvation I will lift up. And in the name of the Lord, I will call. Now, we're going to see another principle that's being revealed here. And that is this. The faithfulness of God should cause you to respond faithfully to him. Meaning God moves faithfully in a person's life in some situation that they're going through. And God's moving, his responding, his rewarding, his delivering, his assistance should cause us, help us to respond faithfully in return. And that's what verse 14 is speaking about when he says, my vows unto the Lord. And this is simply a word of commitment. What I have committed to before God, I will pay. I will pay these things, meaning I will carry them out, and I will do so before all of his people. Now, what's he speaking about here? A witness, a testimony. Here's what we need to realize. God moves in the life of his people. And he does so, so that we can have a testimony to others. That we can bear witness. We can testify. I was in a hard situation. And God, through his grace, 
through his faithfulness through his provision i have overcome that i've shared with you many times and we see this in the book of revelation that god wants his people commands his people enables his people to be more than overcomers meaning this doesn't matter what we have to overcome we have been given more than we need to do that in other words we can live a victorious life and what this is speaking about here is god is faithful he provides and we need to demonstrate that publicly before all of his people verse verse 15. now sometimes it's time to leave this world death is a a part of everyone's existence everyone who has been born has either died or will die and of course the exception is those who are alive at the time of the rapture but but setting that aside what do we read in verse 15 yakar that means precious it's a word of significance a word of priority it is very important to god it says precious in the eyes of the lord is the death of his and many bibles will say uh uh it's basically the word for those who have received grace so those who are the recipients of god's grace it is precious to him when they die and what this tells us is this that god will provide oversight over that death we see that for example in the account of the rich man and lazarus when the the poor beggar lazarus died the angels attended to him that death of this one was precious to god and he demonstrated that by by the angelic care that lazarus received so we see that precious in the eyes of the lord is the death of some bibles will say his devout ones literally the word grace is there those who are the recipients of god's grace look at verse 17 16 where it says please O lord for i am your servant i am your servant the son of your maiden meaning a female servant open for me meaning open up those things that bind me restrict me now we need to have a proper understanding of this verse it's a great verse what he's saying here is this at the end of it patakta literally you have opened it again it shows confidence assurance that god does this he can expect it he can be assured of this this is how god acts and we have the word moserai which is moserai which is to be bound cords those things that that bind us that inflict us and what he's saying is this god i have such confidence even though i'm going through this now I'm assured that you will set me free, that you have already opened up these things that bind me. And why is he he so confident? Well, notice the first part where he says, I am your servant. He's saying, please, Lord, that is, hear this, pay attention. I am your committed servant. 
I am your servant, the son of your female servant. Meaning there's a heritage, there's a consistency in that family of serving God. So he wants and believes that God will set him free. Why? What is his objective? His objective is to serve God. And therefore, we see that in the next verse. Look now to verse 17. To you, I will sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Now, this is emphasizing gratitude. And let me tell you, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of gratitude are very important. They are most pleasing before God. God hates complaining. So thank God. You say, well, how can I thank God when I'm going through a very difficult, painful experience? This is how you do so. Just like we learn. We say, God, yes, I'm in a, a dire, hard situation. But nevertheless, I believe that you have already provided what's needed to bring change into my life. Now, uh, death is a very painful experience. I'm speaking about when a loved one of yours dies. Death for the one who dies, if they're a believer, it is release. It is wonderful. So those who have died in faith, don't be concerned for them. The Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord, literally, to be at home with the Lord. So those who have died in faith, they are in a most wonderful place, experiencing the goodness of God, His promises, His blessings. We don't need to be at all concerned for them. We're the ones who are left behind who are suffering. And what we need to see is this. Even in the midst of great and harsh grief, God, we can turn to Him and say, God, I know that you're going to get me through this i know that there is a future for me still in this body i'm here i'm breathing i'm in this world therefore there's something that you want from me something that you have called me to do and god you're you're a good god that one that has passed away that we love so that was a blessing that one was a blessing from god and god can bring additional blessings into your life Maybe another spouse, maybe not. Whatever it is, God is able to give us joy in the midst of this pain. And we have to approach him confidently. So we see here, he says, to you I will sacrifice, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And once again, he says, in the name, that means in the character, we use the name of God, but we pray in the character of God. It says, I will call. Again, he repeats that earlier verse. My vows unto the Lord I will pay before all of his people. And there's a word here that's, that's hard to, to translate in the midst of this where it says before. We have the word na, which means please. It's a term of beseeching. What it's saying is this one really wants to pay the vows and he wants to do so publicly. Why? He wants to testify of, of his commitment, demonstrate his commitment to the Lord. 
Now, I would suggest to you that as we conclude this 116th Psalm, we see that, that at the end, there is an emphasis on worship. And that's the victorious life. You're going through a hard time. Perhaps a loved one, a parent, or a child or a spouse has died. That is a tragedy. That is so painful. But understand something. God is able to heal all hurts. Now, it may take time. And what I shared with one person who was grieving the loss of, of his spouse, you know, if God, God could take away that hurt just like that. But, but one way to do that would to also be to remove all those pleasant memories, all those things. See, it's the remembering of, of that person and the, the interactions, the life that you shared that is the cause of that grief. So take away the grief, God. Well, it takes away all those memories. You don't want that. God will help you overcome your grief and your sorrow. And what he says here, notice how it concludes with worship. We talked about, I will sacrifice a sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will testify. Testifying is an aspect of worship. But look, look, look at the last verse, verse 19, where he says, In the courts of the house of the Lord, in the midst of Jerusalem, what is he going to do? Well, the last word, hallelujah, I will praise the Lord. Literally, he's saying, God, I want you to bring me into your courts. Bring me into your presence. Why? Because I want to praise you. Realize, praising God is therapeutic. Praising God will change your perspective. That's why worshiping God is so significant. Worship, when we do so, and the easy way to do it is just read the book of Psalms. Pray through a psalm. Worship God as one of these psalms of worship leads you to do. And what you'll find is this. Worship of that variety, worship that's led by the Spirit, Spirit and in truth, will bring a change. Worship is indeed a catalyst to godly change in your life. This psalm ends with an emphasis on worship. Let me conclude by asking you this. Does your life demonstrate an emphasis on worshiping God? If it doesn't, then it's hard to believe why you would expect God to move mightily in your life. God moves faithfully, mightily, graciously, powerfully in the life of those who are committed to worship Him. Well, I'll close with that. Until next week, Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, 
that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.